Welcome to the Law of Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us today. Today, we are lucky to have Steve Banfield, the CEO of ReachNow, the uh, exciting new uh, car sharing service from BMW. Welcome, Steve. Thanks. It's great to be here with you guys. Yeah. So tell us now, ReachNow, for people in the audience who don't know what ReachNow is, tell us what it is. Sure. So ReachNow is a mobility service uh, created by and owned by BMW. Um, our North American headquarters are actually here in Seattle, and Seattle's our first launch market, which uh, we went online and we, we launched in early April. Okay. Right. And so the way it works is it's really cool. You download this app on your phone. The app shows you where all the BMWs are scattered around town. And you get, you get to pick your – I mean, there's multiple different – I mean, how many different models are available? So we have the 3 Series uh, 328 uh, four-door sedan. Right. We have two different kinds of Mini Coopers, the two and the four-door. We have the Mini Clubman, which is sort of a longer uh, club uh, Mini with sort of the bigger Mini, the Jumbo Mini, kind of an oxymoron, but we'll go with that. It, it, <laughs> a lot of lot more storage room in that in the Clubman, and then we also have the uh, i3 electric car. And uh-huh. later this year in uh, Seattle, and when we launch uh, in our next market, Portland, we're also going to include the X1 uh, Sport Activity vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So BMW has built some really cool. Vehicles. I mean, just for like, I mean, think about the way transportation is changing. It sounds like a preposterous comment because obviously they have, but they built some, I mean, like the i3 electric car. And that's a yeah. fun car. Yeah, it's great. If you've never driven one, uh, it's a fun car to drive. Uh, it's the the acceleration and the and the handling, you know, really make it fun. Even though it's it's really a small car, it's a it's a economical car, and it's funny. We've actually had anecdotal feedback from the folks at the dealership here in Seattle that people will come into the dealership and say, "Hey, I drove my my first i three, uh, you know, with Reach Now. I really enjoyed it. I think I actually kind of want to buy one." Yeah, for sure. Well, that's I mean, that to me, I think that's one of the coolest aspects of the Reach Now program. I mean, you get it. Use a bunch of these cars, different cars, different styles, and kind of experiment with Yeah, this. I mean, it's certainly great. I mean, we've gotten some great anecdotal data that people have done that. It's not the reason we exist. Um, we're not here. People ask me all the time, is BMW doing this just to sell cars? And the reality is, no, we're, we're doing this as a mobility service because we want to understand how people want to uh, interact with cars in the future, how they want to get from place to place, how we want to, uh, how, how people want to think about their world of urban mobility. And um, it's, you know, it's a great chance for us to do that, to learn, to expand. Uh, BMW has been involved in this space for a long time now, uh, starting with some joint ventures in Europe and uh, and now expanding here to this wholly owned subsidiary in uh, North America. Yeah. So you guys, do you have any plans to move? I mean, what I was thinking about when I, I mean, uh, BMW's built some really great, I think they might be concept style, like small, you know, one-person vehicles for moving around cities. Uh, I, would, I mean, that would be really exciting if you guys brought something like that. You know, it's interesting. We we really have every opportunity to use um, kind of whatever vehicles or products BMW has. So um, as BMW creates new cars, whether they're new plug-in hybrids, whether they're new small cars or bigger cars, we can really look at the business case, look at what customers want, and add them to the fleet. And and that's one of the great things about being a part of BMW is that we have full access to not just the, the kinds of cars that BMW builds, but the 100-year sort of history of innovation of BMW, and it's it's been really exciting. Yeah, yeah, super fun. Well, so, you know, we've talked about this on the show some, uh, the whole sort of, hey, are we going to have autonomous cars or self-driving cars and what's that going to do to like car manufacturers are there going to be fewer cars sold and but i don't think any i don't think people are ever going to want to um 
quit experiencing the joy of driving. Uh, so even though there's probably going to be an autonomous car solution or a, you know self-driving cars on the streets, I think you're still going to see this service is still going to be a great. People maybe desire that service more in the future than they might right now. Well, I think yeah. I just made the comment about you know the i3 electric car that in in many cases we're the first experience people have with right. an electric car, right? right? Um, not everyone owns a Leaf. Not everyone owns a Tesla. Not everyone owns you know, some of the other electric cars that are out there. And so being able to, you know, download an app, sign up in five minutes, be approved, and drive an i3 electric car, you know, literally right then gives you a chance to try it. Now, take that five, six, you know, years or more uh, down the road, you're going to get to see um, autonomous cars and cars with more capabilities. And and our kind, our service, I think I'm, I'm convinced that ReachNow will be, the place where people experience that kind of autonomy before they go out and buy it in their own car. Right, right. So if you're, say you're, say you're Mike, and you live on Bainbridge, like, I mean, I can use the car when it gets into the city for sure. But like, is there a solution for people who live outside the city? Well, but that's the that's the perfect point, and that's why I think actually uh, Mike would be a great customer. Mike, you should sign up right now. You could probably do it while we're on the podcast. In yeah, fact, so what's all the- you- it's it's so would I use it when I come into Seattle to get some some transportation when I so walk on the ferry That's for, the whole, the, for the listeners out there I live on Bainbridge Island it's a it's about a half hour ferry ride to downtown Seattle but when I get there a lot of times I don't have a car and I think that's it. In fact, uh, I live in Piner Square, which is right near where the ferry terminal is. And uh, I'll I'll be out in the mornings walking my dogs, and I'll interact with people that are getting into our cars uh, down there. And a lot of times, people tell me they're on Bainbridge Island, and, and they do exactly what you just described, Mike. They uh, they drive their car, let's say, to the park and ride at the ferry. They walk on the ferry, save some money that way. When they get to the city, if they want to, they can walk to their destination, or if they think they need a car. They then can hop in one of our cars and drive wherever they need to go if it's somewhere farther. So it creates a whole bunch of options. So instead of saying, oh, well, I know I've got to go to this lunch and it's pretty far away from my office today. Uh, I better take my car in. I have to drive on the ferry and deal with all that. You can just, you know, say, no, I'll just get a reach now car, take it where I want to go and then and be able to navigate the city a whole lot simpler so right, than, than ever do it yourself. Sure. So right now, right now, the way it works is uh, you check out a car and then, uh, You've got to return it somewhere within city bounds, with the exception of the airports. So, so no. So it's it, the way it works is we service um, uh, what we call the home area, which uh, today is about sixty percent of the land area of the city limits of Seattle. Covers about seventy-five percent of the population. Before the end of this year, we'll actually cover one hundred percent of the city limits of Seattle. Uh, and that's going to be pretty consistent as we roll out new cities. We start in a smaller area in the core downtown, and then we'll expand out to cover uh, all or most of that city. Um, and the way it works, it's what we call free floating car sharing. So you pick up a car anywhere, uh, and you drive it anywhere and you can park it on a valid city of Seattle parking spot. The only exception is we also have service at the Seattle airport. So okay. we partnered with Wally park. So you can pick up a car in Seattle and you can end your rental. You can stop and drop the car off at Wally park, which is literally right next door to the Seattle airport terminal. Um, or you can pick up a car at Wally Park and drive it into the city and leave it anywhere in the city. Right. So okay. So but so if I take a car over to Bellevue for a meeting, I can't park it in Bellevue. I you can. Just, you can. Just, you can. You can absolutely take a car outside of the city. Yeah, but I can't return. You it can't. The you city. can't end your rental there. Right. right you right, have right, to right, bring right. it back somewhere into the city. You don't have to bring it back where you started, 
So you can start in the the downtown area of Seattle and maybe uh, finish your rental. You know, go to Bellevue to a meeting, yeah. or go to you know to to go over to Bainbridge Island, take the ferry and go see Mike, sure. and then come back and end your rental somewhere else. So the parking though, parking any any parking space, any valid City of Seattle parking space. Okay, you just, you've done it. So city we've done a deal with the City of Seattle. We've prepaid the parking on every one of our cars as a sticker. Wow. We'll we've done the same thing in Portland. So uh, we'll do the same thing in every city we're in. Um, so the way I describe it to people is if you can if you can park there, if you can normally park there, a two-hour space, a four-hour space, whatever that is, maybe it's not even marked or it's a, a free parking space, you can park there. The places that would get your car towed are places that will get our cars towed. So can't park in front of a hydrant, can't park in a police zone, can't park in a loading zone. Right. All the same rules apply in that respect. But otherwise, you simply park. You, the 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 user of the car, when you rent a car, you're paying today 41 cents a minute while you're driving. That covers gas, fuel, uh, uh, the uh, charging or, or, or gas, uh, insurance, and parking. So one thing that's obviously, I mean, people are really familiar with the troubles that um, Uber ran into um, because, you know, we had this sort of old sort of, uh, you know, system of medallions and uh, sort of we allowed, we allowed the yellow taxis to sort of like, build into the law protection so that other people can compete with them. And, and and your service is a lot different from Uber, but you also run into regulatory hiccups. Is that right? Um, yeah, a little bit. Well, let me say two things. One, um, we're not just a car sharing service. Today, we've launched a car sharing service. Right. From the moment we launched, we've been saying to everyone, we've been pretty clear, we're going to be a complete mobility service. So ReachNow will also offer, and we'll start testing later this year in Seattle, an Uber-like service where you hit a button on an app and we will send a driver in a BMW to come pick you up and they'll take you anywhere you want to go. We've also, we're also going to offer, uh, you know, and start testing this year, uh, piloting this year, um, solutions, fleet-based solutions for corporations and for uh, people that live, say, in uh, high-end apartment buildings or condos, so they can have a dedicated fleet just for them. And we're also going to be testing uh, some things we refer to as uh, uh, counterless rental. So you can hit a button and say, I'd like a car delivered uh, next Tuesday at 5 p.m. and I'm going to keep it for a week and we'll actually we'll actually deliver a car to you that is a long-term rental for you at a certain price and you can pick what kind of car you want. And so we're going to, so so your, your point about regulation is right because we're going to touch all these different areas right. and we have to be cognizant of all these areas. And just like other companies, we're also a very local service. We're, this is North American headquarters, but there are local Seattle regulations we have to be cognizant of. There are going to be local Portland regulations and local regulations in other cities, and we have to be thoughtful about how we, we work in, in each one of those. Right. Well, I, I, oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask about, so when you do add other cities to the to the program, it sounds like you started with Seattle. Will, will people eventually be able to go from one city to another and leave the car, or is that always going to be kind of a modular, each city is treated as its own It's uh, It's, it's going to be modular. I mean, so... Uh, you can't have all the cars end up in one city. <laughs> exactly. You can't have, have all the all the traffic go from one city to the other. Um, the idea is that once you're signed up, your your membership is valid. It's a lifetime membership, and it's valid in any city we ever go into. But uh, we don't really expect um, Seattle and Portland to, to allow you to go back and forth between the two. The other reason is you'd end up with cars that would be registered in the state of Oregon, mm -hmm. would have paid a, a permit to the city of Portland and have a, a Portland sticker on them. And then 
you know, how do you deal with that car suddenly being in Seattle without a valid city of Seattle permit on it? Another example is people ask me all the time, well, when are you going to open up to the east side of Seattle, um, the, the suburbs in Seattle like Bellevue and Redmond, which are, uh, uh, you know, growing quite a bit. And one of the questions there is, well, how can I get a single permit that allows you to park on a Bellevue Street, a Seattle Street, a Kirkland Street? Um, you know, you need some kind of regional authority or some kind of regional agreement with all these cities so that you could pay a certain amount and have uh, reciprocity of some kind to be able to allow consumers to go back and forth between the two and just leave a car wherever. And so we'd love to be able to do that in the future, but those are that's exactly the kind of regulatory hurdle that we'd have to work with policymakers and work with government officials to create right. the right kind of solution for. The airport thing that you guys are doing is kind of huge. I, I've uh, I've looked at like things like Zipcar in the past, and and one of the one of the use cases that I thought would be good would be take it to the airport, leave it at the airport. Somebody else comes in, and then they can drive it back into Seattle. Um, but I've never seen a ride ride sharing service or or a car sharing service that that uh, that allowed for that. So so maybe you guys are ahead of the curve on that. Is that a is that a new thing in in your industry? Um, it's not. I mean, to to Zipcar's credit, they've also got a service that that operates similar to what you're describing, um, but they have fewer number of cars. Uh, we actually looked at and talked to the Port of Seattle uh, about being in the the parking garage that's literally right next to the terminal is connected to the terminal, and for lots of reasons they decided in the end not to allow any of the any of the different uh, car sharing companies to work there and support that. So we went to the next best alternative, which was Wally Park. Actually, Wally Park, uh, to be clear, has been a great uh, partner for us. We're really excited to work with them, but. Uh, you know, we, we, we did want to see if we could be just that much closer and avoid the shuttle ride away from the terminal and just allow you to walk right out of the terminal, terminal across the, the walkway there and uh, directly into the, into the, um, uh, directly into, to get your car. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that'll change over time. I noticed, uh, this, this flight, I, I just came back from a conference, uh, yesterday and, um, and it was the first time I flew into the airport where they actually had a, a designated spot where you could pick up an Uber. Um, I think uh, pre- before that, the Ubers weren't allowed into the airport at all. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they, they had like kind of a special area set up on the third floor of the, of the garage where all the, the Ubers would pull in for a minute, pick people up and head out. Um, so maybe, maybe that'll change, maybe, maybe with time. So strategically speaking, uh, I know you field these questions a lot, but I mean, I mean, this is, I think this is pretty unique for a car company to do something like this. Although I understand, uh, you know, Daimler Benz owns car to go but car to go is not, you know, Mercedes. So, I mean, this is pretty unique. I mean, BMW is doing something. I, I mean, is it, it's just a really neat way to think about their, their business, I think. Yeah, I think it is. And, and I think, you know, we, uh, what's been great about it is, is they've created this, this company and we're a wholly owned subsidiary, uh, reach now We're we're, we're an independent company. I, I basically, I'm like any other startup, uh, unlike, you know, I don't report to a venture capital board. I report to a board within BMW and, and have folks I work with there all the time. Uh, though, you know, I'm, I'm a BMW employee in that respect, so, so it's a little bit... But this, not would quite be, a, this would be sort of like Hilton getting into the... Uh getting into the sort of Airbnb type business. I mean, in a way, right? Um, I mean, a little bit, though, though the, it, it's, it's a different way of, 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 of selling the product they already have. And it's an interesting, I mean, here's one of the things that, that I've been lucky enough to do in my career is over the years, I've been involved in several of these businesses where people have taken assets that they're used to selling a certain way at a certain price point, and then realizing they're going to have to sell it much more cheaply, much differently 
and have to start experimenting with that. I was at Sony Pictures when streaming was starting to take off. And people went from realizing they were going to sell a $30 DVD or Blu-ray to selling, you know, a $5 overnight streaming rental or, you know, being part of a Netflix subscription. Um, you know, I was at, you know, it's while I was at Sony, I worked on Sony's music service and going from selling a $15 album to selling a 99 cent download or a few pennies on a, on a Spotify or Rhapsody stream. And, you know, now, and, and I've seen it in gaming, I've seen it in other places, and now here we are. You've got this $50,000 car that is available for basically 50 cents a minute. And it's really that same idea just continued on. And I think it's great and it's exciting. And, and I feel really, really lucky that I get to be a part of, of, of expanding this and, and working with MBMW uh, to try out these new things and, and to run this great yeah. experiment. I guess what's different for me about it, Steve, is that, I mean, uh, with, with music... We had, you know, peer-to-peer music sharing basically forced the music industry to change its economic sure. model. And you could say the same thing about um, a lot of those other instances that, you know, external forces forced companies. I mean, I, the music companies obviously, I mean, they completely devastated in one, I mean, it, 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 they went through a period of like, you know, extreme deprivation or something like this. But here we have, you know, BMW, I don't get the sense it's being forced by anyone to do this. It's not, it's business models not suffering under pressure and it has to change. I, I just don't get that right. sense. Maybe no, I think, no, look, I think BMW is a great company. It's super strong. It's it's doing incredibly well. The cars, it's, it's making amazing cars. You're right. There's not that sort of sense of impending doom that there was in, in, within sort of the movie industry, the music industry, because of, for example, free file sharing. Um, but at the same time, there have been outside forces that have had an impact that have, that people have realized. So when you look at the shift in, in how people are using cars, when you look at the rise of things like Uber and Lyft and, and other services around the world, um, you know, that is something that, that is an outside force. And people are realizing, hey, you know, there, there are just other ways that people want to get from point A to point B, that they want to experience the product that we're building. And if we only think about it in terms of we're going to build this car and we're only going to sell it or lease it, that that that's the wrong way to do it. We have to think about are there other ways that people want to experience the same great car? And and within, you know, people ask me about the relationship between sort of BMW and ReachNow. Like why is it ReachNow called BMW car sharing or something else? And we, we certainly talk in those terms sometimes. But, you know, BMW is an aspirational brand. You, you aspire to a BMW, right? The ultimate driving machine, the advertising, the language, the histor- history of that, you know, the racing history, all those things. If you've ever seen an i8, which is the BMW electric sort of supercar, that is something you absolutely aspire to. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's sex on wheels. Um, and, and yet, what is Reach Now? Reach Now is taking that aspiration and making it accessible to anyone with a valid driver's license, a credit card, and 50 cents a minute. Right. That's really interesting. So, Mike, brand, branding, branding. I hadn't thought about this in, in the terms of the branding or haven't given it much thought. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I imagine I imagine BMW has more to protect than most companies, right? I mean, it's uh, you know they've got a, a, a long tradition and they've got a valuable brand, and and this is pro- probably, I imagine, viewed within the company is somewhat experimental. So I imagine they, they, you know, particularly probably when it was just getting started, they probably weren't sure whether whether it was something they wanted to uh, to attach the brand to. Yeah, you know, what it well, I, me of, I, 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 and not to not to disparage it in any way, but 
No, look, I, I would say it's I would say it a little differently that um, you know BMW started a joint venture in Europe called DriveNow and operating very similar service. Yeah. And one of the reasons that ReachNow isn't called DriveNow is one, it's not the joint venture, it's actually a wholly owned subsidiary, but also we're doing, as I just explained a few minutes ago, we're doing so much more than letting you drive the car. We're doing uh, you know, ride sharing, we're gonna be eventually, you know, we'll be supporting autonomous cars. We're gonna be the place where you're gonna get a chance to be a part of that. So it's not just you driving the car, it's you using all of our different capabilities. And I think that, um, that's part of the reason we, we went to and moved to this Reach Now brand, and I think it works really well. The other thing is, uh, it's not as prevalent in the US, and people aren't as, as familiar with it, but in Europe, there, uh, BMW actually has a series of these mobility brands using the, the Now name. So Charge Now for a whole uh, collection and a whole series uh, network of electric charging stations, Park Now for providing parking payments and parking information in multiple cities, across Europe. So it's got this whole suite of mobility services that people aren't aware of that BMW has been very actively building. And so I think it's, it's I think, more under, well understood in Europe about how much of an innovator BMW has been in this area. Yeah, let's, you know, in this show, we talk a lot about kind of what's coming in the future and technology and where we think things are, are going to end up. And, and so we've talked, Joe mentioned, we talked a little bit about self-driving cars in the past and, and kind of the question about whether you know, what are, what are self-driving cars going to do to the car industry um, if, if, you know, a lot of people, uh, and, and even like um, car sharing services like like the one and mobility services like like what you guys offer to some extent affect, you know, the car the car companies in a sense that not everybody needs to own a car. Um, you know, people that don't drive a lot can start re- relying on a service like yours. And then as, as self-driving cars become a reality, you know, 10 years from now, you know, it seems like it, it seems like a lot of people will will maybe not need cars because they'll just call one up when they need it. It'll take them where they need to go and it'll go on to the next person and it'll basically be like everyone using Uber except with that it'll I would like to think be less co- less cost without the driver. Um, but the question is when all those cars come off the road, what does that do to the car companies and, and maybe what what it sounds like your company is a is a really good forward looking approach by BMW to kind of be in that market because, if for some reason, let's imagine a future where where Uber takes over the world and Uber is how everyone gets everywhere and Uber has a fleet of cars that are self-driving and just take people where they want to go, um, you know, that, that gives a lot of control to one company in terms of what cars are in that fleet. Um, it seems like you'd want to participate in that marketplace so that you could make sure that you were represented. Um, and uh, so, so it sounds like what you're doing, I mean, in addition to being probably a, a great business overall, it, it kind of... I, I'm guessing gives BMW some exposure to this potential future. You know, it, it's it's sort of like um like the uh, just like the entertainment companies kind of moving into streaming services because they can see that's where it's going and they don't want to be beholden to a, one streaming company that that sort of holds the market. Yeah, does that, does, guess, that, does that resonate? I guess Mike, I guess what you're saying kind of is like, hey, going back to what I said earlier, you know, we have there are competitive forces in the marketplace, Uber being one of them car company, unique car company responding to competitive forces, doing something totally unique. I don't know. I mean, Daimler owns Car2Go. Are there any other car manufacturing companies that own similar? Or sure. So, so in the U.S., um, uh, uh, General Motors has, uh, they bought the assets of Sidecar, uh, uh, which was a competitor to Uber and Lyft. Yeah. And uh, 
they actually have now launched a thing they call Maven. I think they're in five cities. Okay. Um, they have about 5,000 customers in, across the cities. That There was an article that just came out this week. Mm-hmm. And um, and they operate more like a zip car, as I understand it, more of a what's uh, what's called station-based. So you pick up a car at a fixed point. You right. can drive it wherever you want, but you have to bring it back to that fixed point. Um, so if you pick it up in one parking lot, you're going to bring it back to that parking lot. Where We're more free-floating. You can pick it up. In, in one part of town and drop it off and end your rental in a completely different part of town. Um, and and so no one, though, to my knowledge, has come out, and we've been, as I said, very clear about this, has come out and said, hey, we're going to not just do car sharing. We're going to not just do ride sharing. We're going to do all this. We're going to reach now is going to be, you know, we want to be the, the, when you think about, well, I need to get somewhere. Well, what are my options? Well, reach now has got a car a block away. I could walk and drive myself. I've got a reach now driver in a car that looks like they're 10 minutes away. I can have them come pick me up or, you know, or whatever that is and, and find different ways to navigate all under the same umbrella, all powered by BMW technology, all using BMW mini vehicles. Right. Yeah. Uh, super, super exciting. Um, so Portland's next. How far up is Portland? Portland, we've announced, uh, we'll start what we call the preview drive for a few lucky early folks uh, in Portland on the 6th, right after Labor Day of September. And then uh, as of September 19th, we're going to be live completely for everyone in Portland. So what I'm telling everyone is right now, it's free to sign up on ReachNow. You don't have to live in Seattle. You don't have to live in Portland. You can, Any valid United States driver's license will let you sign up because when we come to your town, you'll already be signed up. We don't charge you until you rent the car. And so it's worth it to just go ahead and sign up now. We're encouraging folks in Portland to go ahead and get signed up because if you're not signed up, you can't be part of the preview drive. And uh, it gives us, you know, we're just, it's, it's eventually we'll, we'll actually have a sign up fee and, you know, that'll be coming to Seattle probably in September. Um, and so we, we really want to encourage people now while it's free, go ahead and sign up. It's totally worth it. Uh, but Portland's next, and then we'll do one more city this year, uh, which we haven't announced yet. Gotcha. And no, I won't tell you. <laughs> That's all right. Well, I'm proud. Oh, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I well, I can whisper it in your we, ear, but it'd be attorney-client privilege. Yeah, we don't usually break a lot of news on this podcast. It's pretty uh, It's pretty lighthearted. That's we, right. Uh, yeah, this would be probably not be the place to, to spread the word about the news. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that one in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, I'm, pr- I'm I don't know. I feel kind of proud as a Seattleite and, and proud of you. That we Seattle was the first market in the, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I I've li- I didn't grow up here. Uh, if you can't tell by listening to me on the podcast, I grew up in Kentucky. Um, but you know, I've lived in Seattle on and off since since '93, and so it's it really is second home to me. And so I couldn't be more proud about Seattle being chosen to 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 be the not just the first city, but the headquarters for Reach Now. This is North American headquarters. We will eventually support not just U.S. cities, but Canadian cities. Um, you know, this is where we're going to be testing, not just, again, launching car sharing, but we'll be testing and piloting all these other services I've been talking about right here in the city. Um, and it was chosen because it's a great city in its own right. It's got a great workforce. We can hire some amazing people. You know, all the great companies that are here give us a huge pool of talent to draw from. And those same companies, those same people, and the growth we're seeing in the urban core of Seattle create a huge market for us. And, and a, a, you know, it's been really exciting to see people um, that, you know, just, just love the service. I, I, if you're ever out and you're in one of our cars, 
uh, you know, and you see some guy kind of running up to you, it's probably me <laughs> trying to thank you because I, I was out with some friends in in uh, in having dinner and we just left dinner and I was out on the street and I saw this really tall guy <laughs> climbing out of a mini and I just had to walk up and say, hey, I work with Reach Now and really thank you for being a member. And he, and he's, you know, hey, I love it. I, I use it four times a day. And it's just been so amazing to see people react to it in that way because they just really enjoy the cars. Yeah. Well, I, I remember when you announced you were taking the job. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, just a huge outpouring of like, wow, that's awesome. People were excited. People were proud of you and excited. That was really Yeah, it was, it was the reaction from, I, I have a lot of great friends in the city having lived here a long time and a lot of folks in the tech industry here yeah. and people were we're super supportive and have been amazingly supportive. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, it's the the amount of support and and in fact, hopefully, uh, going to get some of them to join me here really soon. Some of my friends I've worked with in the past will be joining Reach Now and be part of part of what we're trying to build. So the cities, I mean, we have this problem like you bought you bought this sort of regional transportation authority. I mean, to really you know really have a service that allows you to reach out to other cities without having to hassle with parking and stuff. I guess we just have to. I mean, maybe in the future we'll be able to figure that out. Maybe in the future there'll be some sort of, I don't, I don't know though. Well, but think about it. Today we have these regional transportation authorities, right? That that operate bus lines and train lines and sort of right. try to because you can't just have one municipality deal with it. You've got to connect them all in order right. for these things to be valuable, right? right. Metro in the in C, you know Seattle being an example, right? Um, the bus network that goes across different cities and does different things. Well, so you you've got to it's got to be thought of in those terms. So. You know, how do you tie in, for example, making sure that when you build a new uh, light rail station, you put in parking for car sharing, not just for each now, but for all the, you know, for different services so that you're encouraging people to, to maybe take a car share to the train, take the train over a period of time and get to where they want to go. And then when they get off, take a car share to the rest of their uh, network. You know, it's how do you think about um, ensuring you've got electric charging infrastructure uh, throughout the city. So you're encouraging car shares to actually operate more electric cars um, to make it easier, right? So, um, you know, that's that's a pretty uh, exciting thing. And, and we've got to find the right, uh, the right model there. And so, you know, I was thinking about this. Somebody asked me, a friend of mine who lived down in the, the Bay Area, you know, when is, when is Reach now going to come to uh, Palo Alto? Or when is it going to come to this city? And, and part of what I said was, well, you know, what you really want is you want to somehow connect a network of a bunch of the cities in that area, Cupertino, Palo Alto, Mountain View, and all the cities in that area, so that you could take a car and go between them. It, it, it makes it much more valuable to be able to do that than to just have a car to go from one end of Palo Alto to the other, which is relatively small. Um, so those are the, some of the things that we'd love to, to work with governments on and love to work with organizations on, because I think it's the next generation of capability um, you know, the other thing that, that we've got to work together with uh, local folks on is what are the, not just the regulations for how we operate, but how are, how are things policed, right? How do you, like, what's the definition of a stolen car if it can be used, you know, for so many cents a minute? At what point does that usage become, hey, that car's been stolen? Or what are the, you know, what are the rules around these things? Or, you know, so, so we... We're, we're constantly re- having. Can you guys remotely control the cars? We don't. Re- well, what we can do is we don't. Um, 
we don't remotely control the cards in that I can't just take over and low jack you while you're driving down the road and create <laughs> yes. create some kind of dangerous situation in that sure. respect. But but if we feel like a car uh, for a safety reason, um, we've had this happen when we we notice uh, a car is uh, low on gas. We remotely monitor the current fuel level, for example, in the car, or we get a report that a car has a flat tire. We'll actually put what we call a service block on it, okay. and we lock the doors remotely, and we actually no one can rent that car. It doesn't show up in the app anymore. Only our service techs can see it. So we can't. We do have some access, obviously, and and that's you know pretty obvious from the fact that when you are using the car, using the app, you you hit a button that says reserve the car, and let you might be here in your office, and the nearest car is a couple of blocks away. So you go downstairs, walk to the nearest car, and when you get close, use the button in the app to say unlock. And it's talking to the internet. The internet's you know passing that message down to the car, and it's unlocking the car for you. That's pretty cool. How, how do you handle gas? Like, do people fill up the tanks and then no, no, you just leave the car and somebody will come along and take care of it. So we monitor the the cars for both uh, electric charging level and for gas, and we actually have a group of techs. And we'll, uh, if a car gets too low, we'll, as I said, block it and put what we call a service block on it. And we'll add it to our to-do list and we'll send some folks out. Uh, same thing with cleaning the car. We actually have folks touch the cars every so often and clean the windshields, clean them up, make sure we, we wash them down with a, uh, we use a, a special solution, kind of a waterless wash. It's very ecologically friendly um, to keep them as clean as possible. And we'll vacuum them out and do those kinds of things. Uh, and so the whole point is, for you as a driver, you never have to worry about gas, never have to worry about uh, charging, never have to worry about insurance or parking. So, And when you go and look in the app and, and look and see the cars that are available, um, and you can download the app and see the cars without actually having to sign up. So if anybody wants to just check it out, you're welcome to download the app and, and, and try it. Um, you can actually, as you tap on different cars, you'll see, well, this is a Mini Cooper, this is a Mini Clubman, this is a 328. You'll actually see the fuel level and the expected range. Uh, and for most people, if you're going from one end of town to the other, and it's got half a tank of gas, you're not worried about it, yeah. you know. And we we usually once it's down around 10, 10 or fifteen percent is when we flag it and make sure that we send somebody out to take care of it. So anytime you get in a car, unless you're really expecting to go for a long period of time, uh, uh, most of the time you've got more than enough gas to to run any trip around town. Well, that's pretty cool. I think the parking thing is really nice. I mean, the fact that you can. Um, I mean, there there are definitely a lot of use cases where. Like I come into Seattle, I uh, and I and I drive my car and I go park at Seattle Center or something like that. And not only am I paying to bring my car over, but I'm paying quite a bit just to park it while it sits there. So uh, yeah, I'm going to sign up now. Well, could, how how, how from can people... Bainbridge? You could sign up. You could walk on the ferry, and I would imagine a ride from say Pioneer Square to Seattle Center might be five to ten minutes. So you're talking at forty, you know, forty one cents a minute right now, you know. Not very much at all. A few dollars. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot cheaper than parking for an event at Seattle Center for sure. Yeah. That's, um, that's terrific. That's, that's great. So I I imagine how can other people sign up? Where, where should they go? So the best thing to do is we support iOS and Android. So go to your favorite, uh, for your smartphone of choice, go to the app store or the play store and, uh, just search for reach now or BMW car sharing. Either one usually will find us pretty, pretty easily. And uh, just download the app, and you'll be able to see the cars. And the way the sign-up works, this is actually pretty cool from a legal standpoint. What we do is we ask, we we you know typical sign-up, give us your name, give create a uh, you know, email address and a password so you can have your account, and then we uh, need your uh, uh, a credit card and your driver's license. 
we take a picture of the front and back of your driver's license, and then we actually make you take a selfie. And we then use face matching technology to match your that selfie, right? And we get you to line up your face just so in that selfie um, with the picture under driver's license. And we then do a quick DMV check and everything, make sure license is valid, make sure all of those things are true, make sure you don't have you know too many speeding tickets or, or whatever else. And, um, and you can be approved like right away. You can be approved usually within five or 10 minutes. Fantastic. Well, uh, thanks for being on. This is really interesting stuff. I, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. Good. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Thanks for being on the show. And uh, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Yeah, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Steve.